Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it is the first ever poor man podcast. That's right. My podcast. Nobody can tell me anything. To subscribe... Go to my website, poorman.com, click on the subscribe button. It's $10 a month. Try me one month, and then you can tell me off. How's that sound? We even have giveaways. This advertisement was not sanctioned by KCAA. In fact, it's a nightmare to them. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Better. With your host, Barry Lynn. All right, and welcome to today's show. Okay, if the center hadn't held during the 2012 election, we might not have Barack Obama's second term. That's the premise of Jonathan Alter's new book, The Center Holds Obama and His Enemies. And Jonathan Alter joins us for today's show. Jonathan was uh, 28 years at Newsweek. He's a reporter's reporter. He works for Bloomberg. You also see him on NBC and MSNBC as a consultant and as a uh, collaborator with uh, their other projects. He applies a very rich experience of these decades working in the arena of covering politics with a really clear understanding both of policies and partisanship. Jonathan Alter, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Great, great to be with you. Terrific. Look, uh, let me ask you some general questions first before we get into the weeds of the campaign. What was the worst moment in the 2012 campaign for Obama inside supporters, the time when it looked like there might just be another Jimmy Carter-like one-term presidency? Well, I think, uh, you know, for the Obama base, it would have to be um, uh, December, uh, excuse me, October 3rd, 2012, which was the debate in Denver. Right. Um, where uh, he didn't come to play. Um, you know, in fact, he barely showed up at all. Right. Uh, and uh, he just uh, was listless, low energy, um, not... Uh, uh, m- not engaging Romney, um, and uh, as a- after the debate, <coughs> excuse me, after the <coughs> after the debate, when um, uh, he was finally convinced uh, that he hadn't done well, um, he said to a friend, uh, "You know that viral video of Samuel L. Jackson going into the people's house <laughs> and saying, uh, 'Wake the f up, wake mm. the f up.'" 
um, um, the uh, the sort of unenthusiastic <laughs> Democratic House. Uh, Obama said to um, his friend Patrick Gaspard, hmm. who was just nominated to be ambassador to South Africa, yeah. uh, I didn't realize he was talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, I think, was the low point for, for the bulk of Obama's supporters. Um, but I actually have a chapter called Obama's Low Point, and it mm-hmm. takes place more than a year earlier, uh, in August of 2011. And this was after the debt ceiling um, uh, crisis, uh, you know, where um, the president was left uh, with no grand bargain, right. uh, a triumphant opposition, a demoralized Democratic Party, and um, the prospect of continuing high unemployment uh, and poor poll numbers. And I think uh, he would consider and did consider mm. that to be his low point. Uh, after the election, they had a kind of a parlor game where they kind of went over various <laughs> low points and uh, came up over the previous five years and came up with various candidates. You know, the New Hampshire primary in 2008, right. uh, the Jeremiah Wright story and so forth. And uh Finally, after his aides had all offered their ideas for the low point, uh, Obama said quietly, "The debt ceiling." The debt so ceiling. for him, that that would because I think by the time of the presidential debate in Denver, uh, even though he didn't do well there, um, his people were pretty confident that he could come back in the second debate. They felt that they were in control of the situation on the ground. And was part of that, Jonathan, because now even at the the October 3rd debate, the debate in Denver, almost everybody said the president did a miserable job, but still there is Mitt Romney. He's the guy he's debating against, and Mitt Romney was a man who never seemed to a lot of people to be able to connect. He couldn't connect. He'd tell jokes. They'd be terrible jokes. It's kind of like starting the Zimmerman trial with a knock-knock joke. I mean, he just (laughs) couldn't be self-deprecating, but ironically, for some of us, and you may feel feel very differently about this, but I've never felt, uh, much as I like a lot of what Obama does, I've never felt connected to the guy. He seems, in fact, you have a lot of reportage about this, he does seem like a guy who just doesn't connect either. Well, um, I think it it depends. Uh, He connects erratically. So, you know, we all know that there were moments uh, in both campaigns where he connected uh, quite well. And, you know, he gives can give a great speech and when he turns it on in public uh he's a convincing uh charmer um and, mm-hmm. and you know certainly uh when he was at fundraisers <laughs> excuse me when he was at fundraisers or uh, out uh pressing the flesh he connected extremely well mm-hmm. but where he he has more trouble connecting is in formats like debates that he doesn't like and isn't particularly good at, uh, and uh, inside Washington, um, where he's not a backslapper, glad-hander, and a number of his fellow politicians find him remote. You say that he doesn't write notes to the you know, the congressional leadership or the head of a committee, but he does tend to write notes to average people who write him a question. Yeah. He responds in the kind of way that Lincoln uh, used to invite people in to chat for five minutes about right. whatever was on their mind. But is that real or is that affectation that he wants people you know, to think? I think that's real, actually, and that um, this is a guy who likes, for lack of a better word, civilians, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people who are not – 
uh, in politics, and those are his friends. So he's not. It's not true, for instance, that he's a loner. That's completely wrong. Right. You know, he has very warm relations with his friends. What he doesn't have are these kind of fake Washington friendships. Uh, and in terms of connecting, he would rather connect with average people, especially if they can tell him something he doesn't know about their lives. Right. Than uh, you know, be uh, as he said, giving the. Uh, some congressman the third picture they have. Do they really need the third picture, yes. Yeah. And the answer is yes, they do need it because, you know, um, and Obama should know this because um, The Godfather, he says, is his favorite movie, but yeah. he, he forgets that line from Hyman Roth, you know, this is the business we have chosen, you know. Exactly. This and, is... and, but I don't think it's fair to say that that has crippled his presidency because you know, the main factor, which is a big part of my book, and we haven't discussed yet, is that this is not your father's Republican Party, you know, and the, the level of obstruction is such that uh, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to uh, yeah, he, imagine that even if he had just bent over backwards to um, uh, schmooze with them and cultivate them and play golf with them every weekend, it wouldn't have made much difference. No, I mean, this is not, not only is it not my father's Republican Party, which he eventually abandoned himself, but uh, this is not where you're looking for creative compromise. Maybe because on immigration, Republicans and Democrats both think they have a lot to gain by coming up with something, or at least some Republicans uh, do, most Democrats do. There, there, is no, there was no creativity in the Affordable Care Act to speak of, it's just a question of how much you know, did the Obama administration give away to big insurance companies. That's the criticism from the left, from the right. It's we hate everything. Yeah. You know, I honestly, uh, I, I don't have a lot of patience uh, with the criticism from uh, either side on this particular piece of legislation. Right. You know, I, I was um, a longtime supporter, not just of a public option, but of a single-payer plan. Mm -hmm. But... Um, Politics has always been, always will be, the art of the possible. And this president accomplished something that progressives in both parties have been trying for literally 100 years. That's right. The progressive Party Bull Moose yep. platform of 1912. And he ended what I consider a shameful era in American life where if you got cancer, you were in danger of losing your house. That's right. Now, that's no longer the case in this country, and that's a huge step forward that nobody can take away from Obama, even though the Republicans are still trying to. No, they, they will, and they will continue to repeal it or repeal parts well, of can't. it for over See, and over, but it's never going to work. Of course. Yeah, this is the thing no. I don't think has yeah. been no. absorbed even by, by Democrats. Uh, this president has the veto pen until 2017. Exactly. By and, that and he's prepared to use it. we got to take a little break. We'll be back with Jonathan Alter. Fine new book. It's called The Center Holds Obama and His Enemies. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the role of money in this election. Everybody hates it. Nobody really wants to do much about it. We'll be back. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. 
Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. 
We are back, and uh, we're continuing this conversation with Jonathan Alter, the author of The Center Holds, Obama and His Enemies. This is a man who is a pundit. He is not somebody who just became a, quote, Republican or Democratic or, for that matter, objective uh, observer, uh, as so listed on one of the cable networks yesterday. He didn't just get out of high school. He was with Newsweek for almost three decades, now with Bloomberg, now with MSNBC. Uh, the Citizens United case, uh, almost, uh, it's not uniformly detested, but most people think it was at least too broad. Uh, and everybody, I think, agrees that whatever you think of that particular case, that decision of the Supreme Court, money plays too big a role. There's too much money in politics today. That is not a good thing. But, on the other hand, doesn't it demonstrate when all is said and done, 2012's election says you can't buy a presidential election because people somehow managed to avoid all the money and still pick the right guy. Well, uh, I'm not sure it quite says that because Obama ended up outspending yeah. uh, Romney and the Republicans. He raised $1.2 billion. Uh, but the good news, to my mind, is that um, his average donation was $66, yeah. and Mitt Romney's was over $1,000. And so my problem is not with money in politics, uh, that we're always going to have it. Uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, something I put in the book about the election of 1896, where Mark Hanna, who was William McKinley's campaign manager and, and Carl Rove's role model, uh, collected a huge amount of money from corporations of the day to, to elect McKinley over William Jennings Bryan. Uh, he once said, uh, there are two things that are important in politics, money and I can't remember what the second one is. And, and, you know, I think that there's still a lot of truth to that. But what was quite encouraging uh, about the Obama campaign and, and fascinated me is that he managed to take his online fundraising from $15 million a month to $150 million a month, more than tenfold increase. It got up to $168 million a month in September of 2012. And they cracked the code on small donor contributions. Right. And everybody knows that Obama had the edge on digital technology. Sure. In the center holes, I really wanted to explain how he had that edge. What did he do? How did they get this done? Not just in terms of online fundraising, but in terms of targeting their TV ads. And most important, uh, the tremendous efficiencies that the analytics team in the, in the so-called cave, the secret annexed to the Chicago headquarters, the, the unbelievable tools they brought to uh, winning the game on the ground and yeah. making their neighbor-to-neighbor uh, -neighbor contacts much more efficient. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that without getting too far into the weeds. But, I mean, this was something you talk really about, almost underground, unknown to non-Hispanic voters. The use of Michelle Obama in this campaign, speaking uh, to Hispanic uh, television shows that, again, many of us n never see, never watch, but they're, they're kind of Oprah-like, and they're really important to a demographic that turned out to be crucial in this election. Well, Obama won, uh, depending on the exit polls you look at, between 71 and 73 percent of the Latino right. vote, which is astonishing. And, and the only reason that we're having a debate of any kind about immigration is that he scared the Republican Party into thinking yeah. uh, rightly that he can't compete if it can't do better than, you know, 27, 28, 29 percent of the Latinos. 
And uh, so if he, if Obama had gotten 60% or 65%, mm -hmm. we wouldn't even be talking about nope. immigration reform. Nope. So elections matter. I, I was interested in how he did it. Uh, and there was a almost a subterranean campaign under the radar of the Anglo media. So, uh, for instance, there's a... Univision, a former anchor for Univision and host named Christina Saralegue, and she's known as the Latina Oprah. Most Anglos have never heard of her. Nope. Every Latina has heard of her. And she uh, uh, joined the Obama campaign. She cut ads with Michelle Obama. They were very influential, especially among uh, Latinas. Sure. And, and uh, they did a number of things like that. They greatly outspent... Romney on Spanish language TV. Their ads were much better, more targeted to the Latino audience, uh, and uh, they went to soccer matches and uh, beauty parlors and places where they actually fought for the vote. Yep. And uh, Jim Messina, the campaign manager for Obama, t had told me that if they fell below, he told me this in early 2011, if they fell below 58% of the vote, there was no chance for them to win the election, no matter what else they did. Mm -hmm. They ended up getting 71%. And so even though they didn't do well with white voters, the face of the country is changing. And, and this, is, this is why one of the many reasons why the 2012 election was so relevant to our politics today. Do you think that these uh, aimed advertisements within Latino, uh, Hispanic communities, was there an issue focus that Romney missed, or was it just a sense, look, these, when all is said and done, Barack Obama, a person of color, he understands us at some level. He must, because he's different than white guys running the Republican Party. Well, it was like um, Romney's uh, Latino ads were, uh, well, first of all, Romney doesn't speak Spanish. Right. His son does, but Obama did ads in Spanish, and his accent was pretty good, so that helped. Yep. Um, but um, Romney's were just targeted at small businesses. It was as if he was assuming that the entire Latino community was small business. I think I'm remembering this right. It's in the book that the total number of uh, Latino small business families, um, you know, e either small business owners or uh, directly related to small business owners, was something like 12% of the Latino vote. So he was, you know, he was ignoring um, broad swaths of the Latino vote. Obama did use Obamacare right. very effectively in the Latino uh, community. And, uh, and you know, this was something that was considered a negative for the president's reelection. It turned out to be a positive. And even in the exit polls among an, uh, Anglos, uh, Obamacare turned out to be more popular. Not wildly popular, no. but more popular than people had expected in a, in a net plus. So, you know, a lot of things kind of moved around by the end of the campaign and there were uh, a, a lot of uh, tactics that Obama used to uh, to do that that uh, for anybody who's interested in politics you know I try to explain these are familiar events but mm -hmm. I wanted on every page to give people something that they didn't know before and I can't give you a money back guarantee on that <laughs> but so far I haven't come across anybody who said, you know what, uh, I didn't learn uh, anything I didn't know on that page. So I set the bar very, very high for yep. myself. Uh, and some of it is history. Yep. Some of it is uh, behind-the-scenes uh, things that, you know, uh, Obama on, on election night when he's uh, told uh, NBC News has reported him the winner, yep. and Valerie Jarrett says, you won, and 
He says, I'll believe it when I hear it on Fox. <laughs> on Fox, now, exactly. I want, that, I want those scenes that have not been published before. That's right. But I also want um, the backstory of, you know, who is Grover Norquist? Where did sure. these people come yeah. from? And uh, speaking and I of think the, that, a lot of that will be new for people as well. No, it's very new. I, you set the bar high, as you often, if not always, do. And... You hit it. When we come back, we are going to talk about a backstory. The 47%, that wonderful video given to David Korn of Mother Jones. Uh, was it as big a deal as many of us think so? We'll see what Jonathan Alter, author of The Center Holds, says in a minute, right here on Culture Shocks. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Oklahoma reminds us there are many kinds of storms in our lives. Nature regularly sends us destructive storms. 24 hours before a storm strikes, people panic. It would be wise to prepare ahead of the panic curve. The food price storm from drought and livestock problems is forecast to hit ridiculous heights by the end of the summer. Wonder if there will really be a problem? eFoods Direct has a plan to maximize your food dollar and guarantee you will be glad you ordered food. Until July 10th, buy three of any food item and receive the fourth one free with free shipping. The guarantee, after September 20th, when you've seen what happened with food prices and shortages, if you're not glad you ordered food, return the food unopened for a full refund. Go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or call 800-409-5633. Your peace of mind guarantee. eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or 800-409-5633. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network and equal opportunity employer 
Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Talking to Bloomberg and uh, Newsweek's Jonathan Alter about his new book, The Center Holds, Obama and His Enemy Had Plenty of Enemies. Uh, and uh, one of the people who turned out arguably to be one of his friends was uh, Mitt Romney because he did so many things that were seen so wrong. And, of course, uh, some of it was revealed, even things that he didn't expect to be revealed. Jonathan, I happened to be with David Korn over at MSNBC the night that David was uh, first pumping out the story and, and disclosing the, the video uh, of uh, this fundraiser where Barack Obama talks about he's written off 47% of the people. I mean, it was at that point that I thought, this is uh, too good to be true. If you're an Obama supporter, it's all over now. Nothing matters. This is so terrible. But uh, based on what we know now about exit polling and other more sophisticated polling, what, what was the significance of that? Did it really change the election? Uh, you know, I think it was more important than we understood um, for this reason. Um, at the time that Scott Prody, the uh, bartender who changed history, is as I like to think of him, at the time that uh, he gave the full videotape to David, uh, who I was with actually on election night at McCormick Place, hmm. um, um, at that moment, um, and Prudy had been posting little snippets of the video for many weeks, uh, because he was originally interested in the Chinese uh, uh, slave labor conditions exactly. that Romney, he thought, was praising. Um, and that was what originally got him to do this. And then he uh, went into the um, bathroom in the middle of the night and looked in the mirror after not watching the tape for two weeks after the fundraiser. And he, he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, you are an effing coward. And he starts posting little bits Jeez. of the tape. And then in September, he gives the whole thing to David Korn. Uh at that point, Obama opens up a seven-point lead in the polls. And people like you and me and yeah. all the people in Chicago thought it was over. A uh, seven-point lead with less than two months to go, six weeks to go. Mm -hmm. um, pretty big hole. Yep. Uh, then comes Denver on October 3rd right. uh, and that first debate. And what the 47% incident did was it gave the president a cushion. And I would argue that if he hadn't had that cushion, he very well might have slipped behind in that after that first debate, which he never did. 
And if he'd slipped behind and suddenly taken on the smell of a loser, it might have really been hard for him to catch up in that second and third debate. Was this in the polling that was done? There was this widespread belief, at least until election night. In I can't say in every poll, I don't read every poll, but a lot of polls that although he had the numbers to win, there was something called the enthusiasm gap. It turned out not to be true. In fact, the turnout in some some of these. Demographic groups was better in 2012 than it was in 2008. How did pollsters miss this? Well, I mean, the polling industry in general, especially Gallup, but a number of polls did not exactly cover themselves in glory this time around. They were off by huge margins. (laughs) Uh, And I I think um, there are a couple of big things that happened. First of all, there was a huge backlash. Uh, against what in the book I call the voter suppression project. Um, this was a concerted effort. It was successful initially in 19 states to enact in 2011 and 2012 uh, laws that made it very tough for Democratic constituency groups to vote uh, or incur- it discouraged right. them to vote. It didn't, it didn't bar them from voting, but it made it harder for them to vote. And so if you were a student, for instance, your photo student ID was no good. Uh, If you were a a, a little lady who took the bus in Pittsburgh, your um, bus card, photo ID bus card, was no good. It was a kind of a bring me the witch's broomstick effort (laughs) in a number of states just to be able to vote if you didn't have a driver's license. Uh, So, uh, and they clamped down on early voting and did a wide variety of other things. There was an intense backlash against this that drove uh, turnout, and it really blew up in the Republicans' face. Uh, So at one point, for instance, Al Sharpton said to me, you know, blacks in this country vote for two reasons, out of hope and anger. In 2008, we voted out of hope. In 2012, we voted out of anger. And and actually, more blacks voted for Obama yep. in Ohio in 2012 than in 2008. And and a lot of other people felt the same way. They they felt that the Republicans were trying to somehow rig the election. And whatever the truth of that was, that was the perception in the Democratic base. And it and so the uh, the prospect of Rom, of Romney and Ryan winning. And anger about voter suppression drove turnout. I think Democrats eventually realized that this was what I call a hinge of history and that if we had elected Romney and Ryan, that uh, we would have changed the American social contract and uh, gone back to a more of a pre-New Deal America. You know, they're talking about privatizing Medicare. Everything. Extremely drastic cuts. So that that helped energize uh, support. Uh, And then the other thing that happened was the Obama um, turnout machine was so sophisticated, and they knew how to go exactly for those so-called sporadic voters who hadn't voted in 2010 to identify them, bring them to the polls. The pollsters missed those voters. They assumed Romney's pollster assumed that if you hadn't voted in 2010, you weren't going to vote in 2012, which was a silly uh, assumption that basically destroyed his reputation. Yeah. Uh, speaking of reputations within the black community, Professor Cornell West, and you have a picture of this in the center of the book.
book. I'm, I'm glad your publishers still use pictures uh, where Barack Obama is starting to have an argument with Cornell. Where Cornell had said, uh, Obama is nothing other than the black mascot of Wall Street oligarchs. Uh, and he's meant the president just doesn't quite get what an agenda for people of color ought to be like. It made Obama, I think, genuinely angry. Do you know if Cornell West, in fact, voted for Barack Obama? Did he ever uh, mention he that? He did. I actually talked to him. Did you? And he did, and he, he did. Uh, quieted uh, <laughs> down uh, toward the end of the campaign because he did finally understand what the stakes were, but uh, not until the president uh, got very angry with him and cursed him out. I, I have the yeah. chapter and verse in, in the book. Yes, and you do. We just can't repeat it on There's also some other interesting you know, meetings that he held with more supportive uh, black mm -hmm. leaders and media figures where he explained to them, as he said at one point, you know, I, I can't just say black, black, black. Right. Uh, they wanted him to have a more explicit black agenda. And, and he said, uh, if I said that, first of all, I'm president of all the people. Mm -hmm. If I said that, it, it, this stuff wouldn't go through. That's you right. Know? That's right. So he was trying to explain to them the logic of it. The racial conversations, in some ways, I found the most uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. The ones behind closed doors that I report on, because you know there there were. Um, I think everybody knows that he doesn't talk about this this kind of thing very much in public. So mm -hmm. I wanted to to uh, explain the way he talks um, about race in particular in private. And. The way, in a nutshell, before we have to take another break here, does uh, how would you describe his private conversations on this subject? Well, uh, you know, um, <laughs> they're they're just more they're more candid. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, after the election, uh, when he was feeling liberated and uh, looser. Um, uh, he had a small party of his good friends, mm -hmm. and one of his African-American friends um, yeah. was standing there with them. And the president um, said, you know, I'm the first president since uh, Franklin Roosevelt, first Democrat to win twice uh, without right majorities, more than 51 percent of the vote. And so his friend says, uh, he says, so I guess that makes you a bad mother, Yeah, what I'm going to say. And Obama, without missing a beat, says, that's my point. That's the point. That's, <laughs> that's the my point. point. Made by and, Shaft um, and so, others. You know, I think he's, uh, <laughs> I think he's uh, just a little bit um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, more free with his sure. comments when he's with his friends, which Indeed. is natural. But Of course. But it, and it's natural. Being a, a yeah. first black president. Yeah, it's natural, and uh, he does it too, just like the rest of us. When we come back, we'll wrap this up with Jonathan Alter. We'll ask him some bigger questions, uh, not just about the book, but about what we have learned now as Americans about the political system, and are there any big changes in our future? We'll be back. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster. With MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. back wrapping up the conversation with the author of The Center Holds, Obama and His Enemies, Jonathan Alter. Let's talk for a second, Jonathan, about the Republican Party. Can there be a responsible, thoughtful Republican Party in national elections in the future, or are primaries likely 
to once again in the next election cycle and the one after that start to count out a far-right ideological messages. When you look at 2016, the names that come up, Sarah Palin, although she also has said maybe she and Mark Levin, that would be a team, a debate with Mark Levin and Sarah Palin and anyone, even picked at random on the, out of the phone book, I'd love to see it, Ted Cruz, Rick Santorum says he's getting back in Newt if he decides to leave Crossfire, which he's returning to in a couple of months. Uh, these are all pretty right people. These are not middle-of-the-road Republicans of my father's or, for that matter, of my early life. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Palin, uh, her sell-by date has uh, passed. I mean, she's not a factor anymore and won't be nominated. Um, but you're right that uh, the party has moved extremely far to the right. Um, and if the Republicans have a decision to make, do they want to be what the Europeans call a remnant party, uh, or do they really want to um, compete at, at the presidential level? Look, they're going to do pretty well in 2014 mm-hmm. because, you know, yep. uh, 130 million people voted in 2008 and only 80 million voted in 2010. Right. So in 2012, we got about 125 million vote, voting, and there will be a fall off. Mm-hmm. Maybe down to 100 million, 90 million, maybe down to 80 million, and most of them will be Democrats. So Republicans will do well. They always do well uh, in uh, the out party. Always does well in the sixth year of a presidency. Um, but I think they they have to, you know, make some very tough decisions about what kind of a party they want to be. And the immigration debate right now, as as we talked about, is you know really the litmus test. Right for whether they want to be serious or whether they want to be a purist party. And if they want to be a purist party, then they're just going to get smaller and smaller. But but how does a John Boehner, for example, who has to say uh, at least the Senate version of the immigration bill is dead, but we're going to work on our own in our own time, uh, and eventually they might start that process, even if they don't finish it, but then the conference, it will go on forever. How does anybody break through? Who is the breakthrough figure in the House Republican leadership, for example, who might say what you just said about keeping the party sanely and possibly ready to achieve success? I think it would have to be Boehner saying, I'm tired of being speaker, I'm tired of all the nonsense I have to put up with, and I want to do something historic Mm. for my time in office, and uh, you know, I know this is good for the Republican Party, I know it's good for the country, and just kind of fall on a sword and do it, but I'm not holding my breath for that to happen. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, because, you know, I do like to watch you on MSNBC, (laughs) you might not. Uh, On the the other thing of learning, uh, people really do like these debates. I mean, it was a big deal on October 3rd when the president lost it, as he had lost, as you report in the book, uh, The Center Holds. Uh, out of six uh, mock debates, he lost every one of them. I think John Kerry, most of those uh, debates, uh, faux debates, were uh, it was playing Mitt Romney. Uh, but people really care. On the other hand, Within modern history, in our recollection, Bob Dole says, uses the phrase, Democrat wars, it ends his presidential ambitions. Non-elected presidents seeking, though, to be elected, Gerald Ford talks about Eastern Europe not being controlled by the Soviets. These become game changers. When modern presidents look at that modern history, they know that a screw-up in a debate can literally be fatal. Does that make them less likely to actually be honest, candid, and open with the American people? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, Obama was right that, you know, debates don't have a lot with to do with governing. Right. And, and there's theater. But where he was wrong was that, you know, you need to recognize that the presidency is a theater and and accommodate yourself to that, as he did in the second and third debates. Um, I, I don't think they're the best place to get uh, a, a lot of honesty, be, in part because there is that high level of caution. Uh, but uh, I, I would argue that, you know, Obama didn't actually make a, a gaffe in that debate that was no. played over and over again, which is one of the reasons why he survived it. Whereas exactly. Romney talking about self-deportation, which yep. might have sounded yeah. good at the time, right. that really hurt him with Latinos yep. <clears throat> when he said that in the primaries. And, of course, Rick Perry, who was probably going to run for president in yep. 2016, you know, when he couldn't remember the names of the cabinet agencies exactly. that he wanted to eliminate, that yep. that was damaging to him. Yeah, but to was. me, what was more significant about that, and this is the sort of point that interests me, is to look at the sort of larger context of things. Everybody focused on how he couldn't remember the names of the agencies he wanted to uh, abolish, yeah. abolish. You know, he had a brain freeze. All that was true. Uh, actually, he was. I think he, I report that he was on some medication that mm -hmm. uh, made him high. Actually, he was beforehand. But the the bigger point is that the American people don't want to abolish those agencies. Right. They don't want to abolish the EPA, and the Department of Energy, and the Department of Education. He is a fringe candidate in that respect. He was an extremist in that respect. They were out of the mainstream. So that's the big story, not not a particular gap that gets made in, in a debate. It's it's where we started the conversation that, you know, one of our political parties has moved not just a little bit to the right of center, but far to the right of center. The other party might be a little bit left of center, but it's basically on in that mainstream that's on right. that center strip, and that's why I say that, uh, that's why I call the book The Center Hold. Exactly. Uh, one other issue, uh, Bin Laden, Obama gets him. People, as they always have on the right, uh, in right organized and right disorganized, uh, say, well, he took too much credit for it. I mean, anyone would have done it. It was all about intelligence gathering. Uh, he made a, a judgment call. It was 50-50, but any president would have done it. We all heard that stuff. In the big scheme of things, particularly for independence, did they give him credit for that, or was this kind of a part of past history lost by the time you get to the polling place? No, I think even though it wasn't a direct reason and people didn't go, I voted for him for this reason, it did a couple of things. It took national security off the table as, as a real issue, so that by the time of the national security foreign policy debate, the third debate, Romney was just me-tooing Obama the whole time. He couldn't really challenge him in a big way because Obama held that Trump card. Uh, it, at one point, Romney tried to accuse him of being an appeaser. That that became a joke right. after, no. after bin Laden. And I do think that as a kind of a template for the whole election, Joe Biden was right that you know Obama could argue uh, Osama bin Laden is dead, General Motors is alive. That's End right. of story. Uh, and the way <laughs> Romney messed up the General Motors uh, bailouts uh, and Chrysler bailouts uh, and, you know, found himself on the wrong side of that issue, even though he came from an automaker family, um, was was important. And it was also important about Obama, who at the time he 
he approved those bailouts in 2009. They were very unpopular, and they got even more unpopular. But he decided, look, if if I do the right thing, maybe eventually the public will catch up with mm-hmm. me. And they did, and by the and election, they, they were very popular. Yeah, and uh, notwithstanding uh, Mitt Romney's effort to explain how much he loved the car industry because he had two SUVs. Chris Christie's the one guy we haven't talked about. Chris Christie, lots of people think he's going to run. You reveal in the book not only that Bill Clinton really thought that Chris Christie, Barack Obama, co-management of Hurricane Sandy really nailed it, that he had doubts about uh, Obama prevailing until that moment. But Chris Christie almost got into this race. Roger Ailes at Fox wanted him in. Rush Limbaugh wanted him in. But what did Chris Christie say at the meeting you talk about in the book? <laughs> yeah, this is in 2011. Yep. And, uh, at Roger Ailes' house, they have a meeting with uh, Rush Limbaugh flew in from Florida. They had a number of other conservative leaders there. And Christie's explaining to their disappointment why he doesn't want to run. And he talks about his family. He talks about business uh, Mm -hmm. governing New Jersey. And he finally says, and look, guys, I like going to Burger King, okay? (laughs) And he meant it kind of as a half joke, but you could have heard a pin drop. People did not. Did not think it was funny in no. that conservative crowd, but nope. now that's an nope. example of the kind of story I'm trying to tell yep. to uh, to enliven. Uh, no, the narrative. It's an extraordinary book, and it really is. Uh, it, it really does remind me of those uh, the, the books by Teddy White that, that got me first interested in uh, politics. I kind of might find myself a little less interested in partisanship these days and than the policies behind them. But I mean, these chronicles of this time. He did an extraordinary book about a hundred days of, of FDR's term and, and of the first year of the Obama administration. If people want to read further, but I want to thank you very much for sharing this time with my listeners around the country. The book is Jonathan Alter's The Center Holds, Obama and His friend and his Enemies. Uh, there were lots of them, but not enough to keep the center from staying, saying, we're going to stay with Barack Obama. That does it for today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson. Engineered by Dwayne Davis and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237.
Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Let's go cruising again. Yes, take another wild and crazy ride with me down the twisted road of Texas Senator Ted Cruz's mind. The new darling of Tea Party Republicans got elected last year in part by stoking right-wing fear that the United Nations is planning to seize America's golf courses. Riding that momentum, Cruz is now gaining national notoriety as a senator who takes extremism to the extreme and beyond. Ted's latest trip swerves through the immigration debate. He uses the personal saga of his father to make the case that there should be no path to citizenship for the millions of undocumented immigrants living here, no matter how much they're contributing to our economy and society. Daddy Cruz, he points out again and again, followed the rules 66 years ago to leave Cuba and became an American citizen. Quote, every step of the way, the elder Cruz recently affirmed in a radio interview, I have been here legally. Well, not every step. Rafael Cruz admits that he only got here by bribing a Cuban official. Technically speaking, that's illegal. Still, father and son both tear up in telling how Rafael got a job, eventually going on to start a small business and to work towards the American dream. Unmentioned in this soaring Horatio Alger tale is that Raphael did all of that American dream stuff in Canada, where he became a citizen and where Ted was born. In fact, Raphael did not become an American citizen until 2005, nearly half a century after leaving Cuba. What took him so long? I don't know, the father now says, adding ruefully, I guess laziness. This is Jim Hightower saying, Really? How does that rationalize slamming America's door in the face of other hardworking immigrants? I guess Ted thinks they should have bribed their way to America. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear. But there are common sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. 
This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949, and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called GoFoods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL and it's called www.kcaafoods.com. Now this website forwards to the GoFoods product site. Again, GoFoods packages, prepares, and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat, dehydrated, non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My GoFood service costs a little over $100 a month, and in a few months I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy GoFoods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy, so to subscribe to this food service just like I have, go to the following website, www.kcaafoods.com or call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks, Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Hello 
and welcome, my friends. This is Pastor Butch Paul, the 3rd day of July, 2013. Welcome to the program. And I do mean that. Welcome to the broadcast. Tonight is Open Line Wednesday. Of course, tomorrow night and Friday night will be rebroadcast. So we won't be here live with you the next two nights. And then for a while, if the Lord blesses, we're going to take off for Colorado Monday. I'll be back on the air personally on the 18th. All right? But don't worry about that. You'll be filled. You'll be taken care of very well by people that are much better at being a talk show host than I am, like Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer and and uh, my mind's going blank. Different ones coming on to fill in for me while I'm going. I guarantee you that, that you'll be glad that you stay tuned for the next week and a half while I'm taking a little time to see the grandbabies. You won't miss me at all. Dr. Ron Green will be there, of course, and, and, and several others will be there to uh, help you just keep you updated what's going on, and you can call and talk to you like you do me. And uh, So I just please excuse me for a while while I go see Dylan and Allison and, and Evan and Ryan, okay? And, of course,